Welcome to this podcast series asking the question, can art save us? I'm starting the first national and international conversation about courage and curiosity. What do these qualities really mean and why does it make a big difference to our mental, societal and democratic health? I talk to award-winning and diverse artists across the arts to explore these qualities in their lives and work, both to inspire and for us all to learn. I'm exploring why we need these qualities to help change the global epidemic of mental illness, loneliness, polarisation of our communities and even global conflict. If the arts cultivate courage and curiosity, I'm asking the question, can art save us? And my guest today is Tarek Zaidi, an exceptionally talented violinist and member of the Outstanding Orchestra for Syrian Musicians. The orchestra is described as a celebration of Syrian culture with contagious rhythms, soaring vocals and genius musicianship. Tarek has performed with the orchestra across Europe and at major festivals, including Glastonbury. You may have discovered the orchestra performing with Damon Albarn, famously known as the frontman of Blur and co-founder and lead singer of the virtual band Gorillaz. Tarek has described some of his experiences as once in a lifetime and describes the mission of the orchestra as showing the world that Syrians speak the language of peace. Hello, Tariq. Thank you so much Hello, for joining Paula. me. <laughs> a warm I'm really welcome. pleased to join you. It's Thank lovely you so of you. I know you've had a hugely busy festival season. You're rushed off your feet. So thank you very much for joining me today. Tariq, you've also described the violin as being like a part of your body. And you said, I can't be away from it as I am so connected to it. Is the violin like your second heartbeat? It definitely does. It, it, it is my, my second heartbeat. I, I really can't imagine my life without being holding my violin or like having like my violin around me or like playing every single day or like being a stage or with on stage with my violin so i would definitely call it as like a i like a a complete part of my body one of the most novel parts of my body definitely and can you remember your very first encounter with it when you were first introduced ah uh. It's a it's a long story to be honest, but like I I can I can like cut it like in a short like like sentences. So I I would I would I would consider myself belonging to a family who were like really interested in culture and the music. So my dad he he is a professor at Damascus University and he has a PhD degree in uh, literature. But at the same time he used to play. Oud. So it's an Arabic instrument. And he didn't study it like professionally, but at that time, like when he was young, he 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 was playing that in the neighborhood. And like my dad is he he's an he was an old guy. So at the time when he graduated, like he finished his secondary school, he started to teach uh elementary and uh, primary students music. So he was really into music. And in early 80s, he traveled <clears throat> to be uh, like the director of Syrian Culture Institute in Paris. So, you know, when you are abroad, you will always be like connected with all like immigrants or like people 
from your country who has been reallocated to other countries. So they were gather- they were all gathering at my house at that time. I used to remember when I was four or five years old that they were all becoming staying in my house. And my dad will be playing oud every single night, and they will be like singing this old Syrian music, you know, like this nostalgia thing. So they like I grew up just like seeing my dad playing on his oud, and like people around like singing and me singing with them. When we came back to Syria in the early 90s, my dad was working with the minister, ministry, uh, yeah, uh, ministry of culture at that time, and we had an institute called Arabic Institute of Music. So my dad he used to be a translator for a music teacher at that institute. So he used to take me with him at some time. I think it was a kind of a trick he made. So he wanted to see if I was really interested in music or not. So he was bringing me with him what to like during his translation session and stuff. So I think he noticed me that I was really interested in music at that time. So I felt I was, I think I was like seven, eight years old and I was really enjoying the time like staying behind the door, listening to people, practicing, getting lessons or like this kind of like small bands or orchestras. And he asked me, so do you like what you are hearing? I said, I definitely like, like, are you interested to try it yourself? I said, I would love to try it myself. So which instrument you would like to try? I said, hmm, you know, when you are like really young, you really don't know what you want. You will be like, you like fascinated about something for some reason so i was at that time like i need to try maybe flute or clarinet i don't know why but maybe i like the way that the people they were playing on that instrument so i said okay i'm I'm, he said okay give it a try and i tried one of them i think the breathe at that time didn't help me that much i said i didn't like it i want something like a little bit like easier and i tried the violin and I really liked it. And since ever then, I have, I, I don't think I ever thought about any other instrument. And I think it was the time when I felt this is the thing that I will continue my music life with. And I feel fortunate that I picked this instrument. Mm-hmm. And, and now it's literally a part of your body. <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> so... I imagine that means music it has essentially always been a part of your life. And with that attachment to the violin, do you think that's helped you exercise your creativity, your imagination, your, your curiosity about sounds? Do you think that's been a healthy part of your life from that point of view? I would say yes. Maybe I will put it in a different way. So you know when you are like a child and you like you you, you like grew up and then you pass you through your teenager things and like you became like an adult. I was one of like my like friends who didn't have this kind of I would call it that time a hobby or anything that they would spend time with. Whereas I was like really into music, really into like something really unique at that time. I remember my friend, oh, what are you doing? Like in your free time? I said, I'm, I'm learning music, playing music. They said, well, it's like kind of a boring thing. I said, no, it's not a boring thing. It's something that like will develop your personality in a way that you will never ever like appreciate till you are like really like in a, like in a, 
when you get older, I would say. So like it shape yourself without you notice that. So at the, at the beginning, maybe I would say I was like really becoming like more, I would not say like more romantic, but I was like we're being, having a better like kind of sense of feeling and like also how the, the instrument, you, you look at it, you feel it's like a piece of food and it's not a piece of food. It's something that as much as you give it, as much as it will give you back. So um, like how much you put the fee, your feeling inside this instrument, it will express itself and express your feeling. In our Arabic music, we have a lot of improvisation things that it doesn't really exist in the classic music. You can tell it's more like when you, you attend like a jazz things, you know, like people will be improvising. It's the same situation with the Arabic music. So whenever you are happy, the way that you're improvising, without you realizing, you will be like expressing your like happiness, your happy feeling, and vice versa when you are sad. So I think with that... Even when you are like thinking about things or like imagining things, it would be also expressed in your way of playing the instrument. And I think during like the, the, the first time I started playing violin and till when I reached my 20s, where I consider myself a professional player, I think it's helped me on my personal life also like to be able like to balance between my time at school and also balance my time with music and without wasting my time with something that it's just like playing somewhere, you know? So I felt like, no, it, it definitely helped me personal-wise, music-wise, and also like in terms of like my own career with, within the music and outside the music. Yeah, it sounds like you're describing a mental freedom that's offered because of that role of expression through, through music. Absolutely, absolutely. So I imagine um, this has been even more significant in terms of how you've coped with the crisis that Syria has faced, um, described as unprecedented devastation um, after over a decade of, of war. And I wondered, has music had a therapeutic and healing relationship for you as well in terms of how you cope with seeing such devastating losses and and the changes that are forced upon you you know like when you work in 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 like in a business things or like in an industry whatever they will always like say you need to push yourself out of the comfort zone for me, my comfort zone is music, is my violin, is, is, is the orchestra, everything related to music. So I think the crisis that we had in Syria is one of the most devastating stories that you ever had like in the last like decades or like maybe more. So I would say not only me, all the musicians that I know, they we were like always thinking about the music that we were performing in the, our comfort zone. Like we were always trying to run away from every single thing that we were facing in the last 10 years. And so I'm going back to the music because we felt this is the thing that makes us kind of relaxed as much as we could because outdoor, there were a lot of trouble, like terrible things happening. So whenever we lock the door, we go inside, we start our music, we feel that we are in a different place and different world outside all the bad things that is happening, enjoying our life for these couple of hours 
at least and making sure that we are like getting like ourselves at least as much as we can to normality before going back to the street and see the miserable thing that is happening. So yes, I would say it did help us a lot as musicians and I would say it also helped us a lot for people who were still able to attend or listen to music because music is is is, is just like it's a healer in like in, in in for many reasons for many reasons especially in the situation that we had back in Syria in the, in the couple years back yeah and i wondered just to add in context for listeners um that you know will have seen news stories no doubt but to give them more context on the makeup of the orchestra of Syrian musicians, um, there are examples that I'll quote um, of those experiences in Syria, but how music has helped. So uh, one of the singers said, music these days is like a painkiller. She describes regularly braving bombs and snipers on the roads on her two-hour journey to Damascus to study and perform. But she says, you have to take the risk. When I sing, it hypnotizes me. I leave reality. And other musicians, these are all from the orchestra, have talked about kidnappings, being hit by shrapnel, losing family members, and also the demands of living as a refugee, missing family, friends, your previous life. And their emphasis is the fact that we're more than just being a person, that being human is about connections and musical connections help them not to go crazy. And I thought these were really powerful examples just to add in some context. And I wondered how that resonated with you when you hear those real life examples and in, and in relation to your own experience. Yeah, so like you are saying, it's a real life example, and I experienced them myself as well. I, I I would add one thing. So as a human being, you can't live without food and water, and you will like whatever is happening outside. You will always go out to get them in because you won't be able to live without that. So imagine that you know there is a danger happening, danger like the danger things happening outside. And you are still going outside to perform music. So you can't tell now how much music is important for you. That you can't live without your music. And you are risking your life just to get to the place to perform music. And you are still doing that. Where, Like in the time that you can still do it at home at some point. But because you want to share your music with your colleague, with others. And do the thing that you used to do. Enjoy the music. Experience your feeling through your instruments. And you are still doing that regardless of all the trouble that is happening outside the door. I know the people that you already mentioned, I know them by names. I know how terrifying for them was to get to the place where we were used to do our rehearsals. But by the time that we gathered, we started the music. I can tell you like all the fear that we had inside during our way to get to place. It's just gone, it's just like vanished. Once we get our music up and running, I can tell you we are completely in a different world. Completely in a different world. It's 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 really sad to say what what was happening, but we we knew at the time when we were rehearsing, we know that in a couple of days there is a show happening or an event happening in the, for example, Damascus Opera, 
And when we know that at the box, like uh, the box tickets, lots of tickets has been already sold. We know that there is people coming, like taking the risk to come to attend us. So it would be a big shame for us not to be on stage because people, they needed this. You said, like, as as my colleague said, it's a painkiller. It's definitely a painkiller. It's, 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 it's a healer, as I said at the beginning of this, like, interview. So once you know that someone, it's, it's like when, when there is a patient going to a clinic and there's a physician in the clinic will be prescribing a medication for you. So you can't be presenting in your clinic and you know that there is a patient over there waiting for you. And for us, we are the healer for the patients who is coming to attend the concert. So we, we treat our audience at that time that they are in, they need us. And at the same time, we needed them. We needed someone to, to, to see that we have something that we wanted to deliver because it's like it's it's a link between the audience and the performer at the same time. So it's it's, it's I would say it's like it's it's a combination of both. To be honest, it's a combination of both. So yeah, we all did our best. We risked our life at some point, but it's worth it. And we all like we felt that we couldn't survive mentally till now without being able to perform our music on regular basis um i i find it uh fascinating and there's i'm sure you know more and more uh scientific study um in the relationship of arts and well-being um and when you start to really examine what is that power or what is that magic in relation to this example of music it's interesting that previous guests have also talked about the hypnotic power of rhythm in music and in dance and how that's helped transport them. Do you think that that is literally like a neurological process through the power of music, that it transports you away from fear or threat? And and that is somehow the magic of music? I would say yes. Sometimes like, so, so I, I, I could tell you, Whenever you are listening to a music, so you like as like a Western person listening maybe to an Arabic music and especially like an Arabic song, you may not understand what what we are singing. So you under, don't understand the language and vice versa. For example, if I'm listening to like a French song because I don't speak French or like a Spanish song, I don't, I don't understand. But sometimes you just like while you are listening, you feel that there is tears in your eyes or like you have some goosebumps. And you will never know why, but because the rhythm or the the, the the melody of the music is just like like take you somewhere. It's like when you are listening and then you just don't realize that oh it passed like fifteen minutes or or you travel by time or you remember something that you think about it, and you will never think oh, why I'm thinking about that. It's just because of the music because it just take you somewhere that will never ever imagine. That will just like like lets things inside you just moves you know and just like let you think oh i'm re- i'm 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 really in a in a different world last time i was like i think i was attending a concert uh in london 2 weeks ago and um it was like a part of the opera for bocelli and 
the 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 area the area that I was listening, I have listened for her for it like I I I I swear it's more than hundred times since like a new music, and I cried, I cried again, and like my wife asked me, why are you crying every single time you listen to it? I said, I don't know, but there is something like inside me like causing my tears just like to fall from uh, or my eyes. So yeah, there is something magic with the music that like let things into your body just like goes up and down without like you controlling that. And it, it does seem to me that, you know, this really does respond to the series question, can art save us? This is a good example of how the arts can help us, how, how the arts can save us from perhaps mental distress and fear if we understand how to embrace the arts and in this case music do you see that having a more and more important role and even for example as Syria rebuilds do you think it will have a larger part to play than maybe was once understood the role of arts and culture as a as a place is rebuilt. Uh, can can you can you repeat your question once more? If that's okay. Yeah, of course. I'm really interested in what we're discussing: the power of of the arts, and in, in, in this example of music. And I wondered if you saw it having more and more importance in terms of how we embrace the arts, whether it's in health recovery or post-conflict, post-war. So, for example, rebuilding Syria, perhaps there'd be even more emphasis on the importance of arts and culture in order to help communities come together again. Yes, I would say yes. I would tell you one thing. So... Maybe I I would say till now because I feel I think like senior people are get bored of like talking about politics. But I think sadly saying that the this, this like kind of the senior population has been divided because of like political point of view what's happening in Syria and this like really caused a lot of like conflicts between friends between families between like colleagues and. It was really hard to see like people that they were like spending lots of time together and then because of what happened in Syria, they were like having like bad, like different views and it causes like kind of like disconnects, sad disconnects between others. And I could tell we face this like, like on a regular basis between musicians, but what I could tell we were playing in an orchestra and once we gathered all together, you feel that, okay, that conversation has stopped. And now we are all surrounded by music. We are all like back on the same table, doing the same things, sharing the same joy, happiness and music. And I can tell you, maybe I will be arguing with my colleagues for a certain point for hours. And then, okay, it's time for rehearsing and gathering. Let's play together. After three, four hours of playing, when you go back to the same topic, you will not be in the same tension as you used to be before that rehearsal. So it's not because gathering, it's because of the music, because we were playing together. And you know, with playing, it's not only about like looking to the music, like sheet that you are playing. It's about also the eye contact between you and the 
opposite in- player that playing a different instrument. So you can tell there is like an eye contact. You speak by your eyes. By your eyes. When you go outside after the rehearsal, when you like you connect again, you feel like why I did have this tension with you before the rehearsal. Like I I did feel something really special to you while we were playing. I felt that you understood me. You gave me the power to perform better. Okay, if you go back to that topic, I feel like, no, we should be like a little bit like more calm to each other. We could respect each other more. We could like get to a point, that a middle point that you agree with my thoughts, I can agree with my thoughts. If I reflect this to the, the wider thing, to the whole things happening in Syria, I could tell, yes, music, art with could definitely bring people back together. It could definitely make them look to the things in a better, a better way. And it's always like, you know, if you go back time, like in history, what we see now from like a like from Asian people, like from previous, it's what they left to us as an art or a music. You will never like talk about like any, like a very old generation about other things. You always talk like what when you feel like you see Tourism's people going around, they always look about arts, about like culture things that they left for us to look now. So now what we are saying, we don't people like to 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 remember the sad story about Syria. We need to remember them to remember what had Syria to be how to be rebuilt again. And I I believe that music is a crucial thing. Art is a crucial thing to bring the country back to what it used to be ten years back. Yeah, I mean, um, Syria is famous, isn't it, as a uh, one of the most ancient civilizations that was always arts rich. So it would seem an, a natural relationship, wouldn't it, to return to the arts? Absolutely. Would you say um, that when you perhaps feel disconnected or just homesick for example because of course we're talking in the UK today is music the thing that instantly reconnects you to your home to Damascus I will tell you a funny thing so I came to UK in 2017 to do my PhD in uh, here in the UK so I was uh, I came to do my PhD in pharmacy degree so I am holding a pharmacy degree aside of my music degree so when I get when I got my uh, placement here in the UK, so before me checking what things I will be having as like labs and stuff, I was saying at the university, do they have any music school? Do they have any orchestra things? So the first things ever that I wanted to have here, things that will link me again to music. I don't want to be coming to the UK, spending a lot of time during my PhD for my pharmacy and then just losing my music or my, my playing my, my violin. I know that I would be able to play it at home, but I wanted to be like connecting with others through the music. So it was the most important thing that I, I was hoping to have it. And luckily enough, I was fortunate to, to know that the, the Portsmouth University where I did my PhD, they used to have an orchestra, which I like. The first day I came, next day I went to the university, I said, okay, I need to register myself at the music uh, like um, group within the, or- the, the, the university and then be 
a member of the orchestra. So yes, it definitely reminds me to like to 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 my time in Damascus. I spent in the, like in Syria more than ten years playing with the Syrian National Symphony Orchestra and the Orchestra of Syrian of Arabic music. So I couldn't tolerate being out or like away from orchestra. It's 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 sad that I do still miss playing with my colleagues over there, but at least playing now here, it's it's always giving me that opportunity to bring all the nice, lovely memory that I used to have back home with my colleagues in Damascus. And Tarek, what are the sounds of home which may be additional to musical sounds? What what are the sounds of home that you're fondest of? Uh, family, friends, like street, the neighborhood. But I'm 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 not saying this because of uh, the, the the purpose of this interview. But I I could tell because the the majority of time that I spent after me graduating from my university and school of music, it was sadly the time that we spent during the war. And at that time, like during the war, we were like also spending a lot of time in the Damascus Opera House while we were like doing our rehearsals. And I can tell you that we were sometimes like shelling in there when we had like a lot of bombs happening in Damascus because of the war. So we used to spend lots and lots of time over there. So it was a bad opportunity to do that, but at the same time, it it like it gave us a opportunity to do a lot of music at the same time, even without doing like an a, like a a proper show. But it gave us a lot of time to, to just to practice. So we used to spend five, six, seven hours a day over there. So I felt that the Damascus Opera House at some time became my home. I used to see my friends over there more than what I used to see my family, my parents. So you feel now, like when I remember, I always try to remember what we used to do inside rather than what was happening outside. So for me, home, Syria is an amazing country. It's like a really nice country, lovely country. The Syrian population is one of the most friendliest, like humble people you will like ever seen. We had bad things happening in the country and the conflict over there. But whenever I remember Syria, I remember the like the lovely country, lovely people, the lovely music that we used to have, and we are hoping this will come back to normal very soon. How do you cope with the the tragedy that's happened? I imagine the conflict has asked people to be so courageous in so many different ways, and particularly when people have been displaced and on such a massive scale. I mean, it's one of the massive displacements of around 7 million people at least, as well as internal displacement. It's on such a vast scale of tragedy when you're describing a place that was so friendly and kind and happy connections and relationships. What's your relationship been with courage in terms of being able to cope with all of this? So uh, 
the conflict in Syria started 2011, and I left the country early 2017, so I spent more than five, almost six years over there while the conflict happened. So personally, I wasn't willing to leave the country. I was willing to stay. It was really, really hard to leave your family, especially your parents who are like old enough that you travel and then you can't feel like kind of guilty leaving them in this bad situation. But as a parent, they always like try to find the best of their pay, like their like kids or like sons, daughters saying like, go now, try to find your future. And when the country is like back to normal, you can come back. So it wasn't an easy decision for me. And I could tell if I didn't find my opportunity to get like a higher degree and then come back later in the future to help in rebuilding my country, I wouldn't do that. So I would stay and I stayed for five, six years. And I would say the five, six years that I spent in the country, it was one of the worst time during the war. So now the situation here is not that great, but at least in terms of the like of bombing and stuff, it's, it's much better. But the the quality of life nowadays is not that great in terms of the sanctions that we have and limited of resources. But thinking about other people, like a lot of people had to flee the country because they were in fear of being kidnapped or like sad enough, they lost their houses, they lost their home, that they wanted to find another place to be shelving and to be like living. So yes, like you, sometimes you were forced to do that. Sometimes because you were looking for a better future, sometimes you feel like you had to do it. Personally, I had the courage to do it, but I could tell that I have been pushed my, by my parents and my friends. Just go now. You have a great opportunity. You can get a lot of things. You can bring it back to you, to us, help us like rebuilding the country. And I'm hoping lots of others have the same way of thinking for the future for their country as well. Absolutely. So perhaps music also, part of the magic of music, if you like, is the fact that it also helps build uh, resilience. So we were talking about, you know, the magic of music in terms of connections or language even or peacekeeping, you know, calming tensions down. Do you think that it also offers something in terms of resilience, you know, that helps people feel braver, um, more able to face their circumstances? I would say yes. So, like, uh, I remember a lot of people, like, attending our concert during the, during the, 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 um, the war. They were saying, uh, you know what, I was completely depressed. I was super depressed before coming to the concert. I felt like there is no hope at all. I felt like I don't have any like energy to go to more to work, face all these issues during the, the, the my way to work, checkpoints and the, the risk of being like shooted or like kidnapped, whatever. But after the concert today, I feel like you you just like get my heart pumping again you let me feel like i i need i i like i ha- i need to get like more courage to do my work again enjoy my day i know this is a bad war but this is temporary things there is light at the end of this tunnel and i'm sure they like you will be like there is something good happening maybe not tomorrow maybe not uh, like next week but at the end of the day it will it will be happening so i would say yes 
music is the is, is something that give you i would say the hope to get a better future and i'm sure that lots of us are sharing this 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 the same things as me and i would um mention to listeners now that if not already if they haven't listened to the orchestra of syrian musicians yet make it a priority jump onto youtube at the very least because that description of soaring vocals and genius musicianship um is absolutely true It, it is so incredibly uplifting but the complexity of the sounds and and the music it's very otherworldly and you know you're all beautifully in time and in tune with each other and yet it seems so incredibly complex at the same time it does you know what you said something about syria at the beginning so syria if you look to the location of syria on the on the map it's in the it's like when we say in the middle east like it's in the middle of like of the Middle East, so like we have been influenced by lots of nations, lots of like because like we like through throughout the time, like we are at the middle of the link between the West and the East. So this influence our culture definitely and mainly our music. So our music is mixed between the East and the West. So that's why, like you said, the word complex, it's definitely complex, but the way of its complexity is something really interesting, really enjoyable. And I can tell you that our last or latest show that we had in Brighton Festival. So I was so happy when we came to do rehearsing I was like ch- like chatting with the organizers. So I said, how how the, the tickets like going? So they said, so the, the 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 venue can like occupy uh, fifteen hundred like uh, audience. So I said, and what is now? They said, so far you are doing the best. So it's like we we sold twelve hundred, and we, there is still like two days to go. And when we went on the stage on the day of the show, it was like completely full. I honestly saying completely full. And when I looked, I looked like all the people that they were attending. You can't tell they are not only Arabs. They were like all mixed, like between like Arabs and non-Arabs. I would say Arabs because I know that they they know our music. They know like what we are singing because singing music is like well known within the Arab countries. But when you see there is lots of foreigners attending and then the amount of the, how they interact with us, you can't tell them. So our music is like a, like it's touching their hearts. So they know it's like it's engaging everyone. It's not only a certain part of the world, if, if I can say that. And you must find that incredibly uplifting because do you think it is just a huge and wonderful statement of humanity that all these different people come together through this music? Absolutely. I, th- I think music is like, it's a language. It's a language of peace. It's it's something that we as orchestra of senior musicians, we are like really working hard to deliver this to everyone. Like, it's hard, it's, it's really sad to know whenever you say to someone the word Syria, they will always link it to the war, they will always link it to like death, they will always link it to conflict, crisis and stuff. I know this is, this is, this is, this is 
like nature things to happen when a war is, is like is happening. But what we want to, to let people know, no, it's not this about Syria. Syria is full of talented people. It's full of like it's a really rich in its culture with the music, with like lots, lots of things. And now this is our duty to deliver our music and like let people know the real story behind the lovely Syria. It feels like your concerts are resurrections. You literally bring back everything back to life. We do. We do. We do. And I think like every single uh, music player will agree with that. Music is is, is, is a resurrection thing. And talking of, you know, rich cultural histories and the, the, the rich culture uh, you all share, it's fascinating, of course, that along came Damon Albarn. Yeah. Yeah. And things changed again. Would you like to share some of that story for the listeners who may not know about that relationship? Oh, uh, yeah. So, yeah. So I think people would be like really interested to know about the orchestra of senior musician, how this, how the orchestra was born. So we all studied at the orchestra, or we all studied at the, uh, the Higher Institute for Music in Damascus, and the majority of us we are playing in the senior national symphony orchestra. Once, once this, the war started in Syria, lots of the musicians just fled the country, and they were really allocated all over the all over the world. Before the war started, Damon Arban with the Gorillas came to Syria, and we had a recording with him in 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 Syria. So this is was this was the first project that we had with him at that time, and then some musicians went with him in a tour around the world at that time to like for the album that they produced. In 2016, Africa Express came with this brilliant idea to reunite the musicians, Syrian musicians who fled the country with the musicians who remain with the country. And they did, I would say, a really big favor for all of us to gather us all once again. And we form at that time the Orchestra of Syrian Musicians. So it's, it's, it's formed or consists of, as I said, Syrian musicians outside the Syria and inside Syria. We gathered in 2016 in Amsterdam. We did like a couple of rehearsals over over that time. And then we did like a tour in Europe. And we performed two, three songs with Damon Arburn. So it was another opportunity to be with him again. And it was a really amazing time with him. And we performed with him in Glastonbury Festival. And since then, we have this orchestra of senior musicians, and we gather from time to time. Once we have like got a funding or like invite from uh, festivals, and um, we are hoping like to expand more and more, get like more people to be playing with us, or even guests to be playing with us. And because of COVID, we didn't have the chance to do anything in the past two years, which like affected everyone, but. Once Brighton Festival invited us to perform over there, we were like really happy that we'd be back on stage and like having a full venue, it was an amazing thing, an amazing thing. And it just seems uh, really wonderful that by having these collaborations and, and that example of the work you did with Damon Albarn, introducing you to all sorts of 
new audiences and new audiences equally discovering all of these new musical traditions or influences. Um, it's another example, isn't it, of the humanity of music and perhaps how music functions as a language. Yeah, absolutely. And I think because when Damon came the first time to Syria and then I would say if he didn't believe in us and he didn't like really like our music and if our music and his album at that time didn't like really touch a lot of audience all around the world. And I can remember that my friend who went with him in his tour in Europe, Australia, and they told us like, because at that time he had some Arabic instrument with his band. So I think he had uh, a nai, which is like a kind of an Arabic flute and also some strings playing with him, but playing an Arabic music mixed with his music. And they could they told us at that time, it was a really new and interesting things for everyone. Oh, there is something that we were not aware about. Like we have exposed to something that is really new, but it has been hidden somewhere. And I think Damon gave us the chance to explore our music and now, back here to 2022 now we are sharing this music with a bigger audience and we got the chance to like to export in the uk hoping to like more all over the world i think now we are like in a really great position and people are getting to know us more and more by time and it always seems so celebratory um when you see you know clips of you all performing as an orchestra and that wonderful combination of instruments and traditions and you know, ha whether it's happily complex because it's so rich, it seems very, very celebratory. Does it feel celebratory when you all perform together? It does. And I like, you will never ever attend a music concert for us without seeing us all smiling, like, like without noticing, we just like smile. We start playing music and your smile would be just like drawn on your face straight away. Our music is like full of singing, full of joy, full of like happiness. So it, 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 it just, it just makes you happy. Just make you happy. And you've described the orchestra as a family. It does. Yeah. Would you like to talk about that a little? Because of course, you're a group of people that have experienced terrible things through through the war, displacement, and yet united by music. And it was interesting when you said earlier how music can also dampen down tensions. How does it yeah. how does it feel um, as a family? Like you know, like. As much as you grow up in time, you will always feel that you miss your brother, you miss your sister, you miss your like parents or like kids. And as I said, we used to spend a lot of time and some of us left the country at 2011 and some of them left later. But when we reunited at, at the, again at 2016, I reunited with some people that I haven't met them for five years, six years. So when I met them the first time, especially I met them outside my country. So I am like, you know, I have been displaced. So you feel like you, you really need to go back to someone that he reminds you to home. So when I'm like, and now here, 
after two years of COVID, I'm, for example, I'm living in Swansea. My other friend is living in London. Other is living like in Scotland. And when we gathered again, we felt, oh, I can't smell home again. I can't feel home again. Like when I speak in my Arabic language with him, I feel like, oh, I, I, like the, the, the conversation that we we are having, I feel, you know what? I feel that we are back in Damascus talking, not in London talking, not in UK talking. So family is not about only being with your family member. It's also being with your family member at home. And whenever like we gathered, especially last time in Brighton, we were like 20 people like performing and all like coming again, once again. I told them, you know what? I feel I'm in the Moscow's Opera House now playing. And I feel that we are going to go out, going to like X and Y street that we used to do, hang out or like do something together outside. But come back to reality, we are in the UK and Brighton, which we like, we were happy with that. But it again, it takes you somewhere else that you feel that this is the place that you would always love to be in. So what you're describing is is really powerful bonds that music is also bonding you together as as a family as an orchestra. Do you feel that um, the emotional connections are stronger than ever? Definitely, yes. Yeah. So from that point of view, can you imagine your life if you weren't a musician? <laughs> no i know it's impossible it's impossible i like i i i really don't know because it, like it's impossible i'll tell you why i as i said at the beginning i started my music at very early time of my life and i felt that i grew up with music being around so it's not it's not a thing that like i i got while I was like 15, 20 years back, like was 15 years old, something that I know how I used to be before and after. After that, I grew up and music was a, a crucial part of my life, a crucial part, part in my family. I have a sister and brother. My brother, he is a, a cello player and my sister, she's a pianist as well. So like we, like I grew up and I know there is always someone playing music in the house. So. I can't imagine myself without being a musician at all. Well, talking to you today, it, to me, it would just seem that you, you you literally wouldn't be alive. You just wouldn't have a heartbeat. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's it's my second heart. I have one heart on the left. There is another heart on the, on the right. I can't tell. My left one is keeping me physically alive. But the one the rights keeping me mentally alive. Can I put something um, to you, which um, was really shocking to read? It was news published this month by the UN, the United Nations Refugee Agency, and they said that the global number of forcibly displaced people has passed 100 million for the first time through conflict and violence. And it's it's just so overwhelming to, to think of, of the world in that state. And I know that you have that very clear message as an orchestra in terms of sharing the language of peace. And so when I read that 
awful statistic. I wondered what your hopes are for the orchestra in terms of being able to spread that language of peace. Uh, it's a really good question. So in order to be able to like to to deliver the message or like to, to share our thoughts about the music is the language of peace, you need to be able to to get more chances to perform, more chances, like more events. To, to explore what you want to do, what you are performing. So I think since the, 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 the orchestra has been performed, we had a lot of chances to be playing in events here in the UK or in Europe. But what I would really hope that we get more fundings, more opportunities, and more awareness about the Orchestra of Senior Musicians than our message will be delivered widely. We we get more people to play with us and we are hoping to get this in the near future as well. So to cut the story, the long story short, we are hoping to get more fundings, be more recognized, be able like to play here and there. And I'm and by that I would say that we could really deliver the, the, our message that the, the Syrian music is a language of peace. And would you also say a way of understanding the language of peace is because it doesn't rely on any one particular language, that music... That, that music what I'm really trying to um, ask is how you explain... The language of peace is it because the music means that nobody has to rely on any one particular language it's almost operating on a on a spiritual level if you like and i would say it's a sharing it's a sharing language so when you are saying is a share what i'm saying of sharing language it doesn't really necessarily that we need to speak the same language in order to perform the same music i could I could speak nothing and you could speak nothing, but we can still play together. So there is something that can link us easily, get us to be more connected without the need of like saying any single word. So I think the the, the music can bring anyone and can link anyone without any barriers. So yes, music music is 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 a sharing thing. It's, it's a language for everyone. And you can tell the war can displace everyone. Conflict can displace everyone. But music can bring everyone together. And whenever you go to the street, when you see like people gathering, you always assume there is like kind of like someone singing, someone is playing, or like a band is singing, or some like a band is performing. So it's always a reason for a peaceful gathering. Whereas when you see like people are just like running away or like scared of something, it's always the opposite side of the thing. And it seems improvisation is really interesting. When earlier in the interview you were saying it's similar to some of the jazz traditions, you know, where improvisation is part of how you play. And so that's um unexpected um it's a it's a dialogue that's created there and then on the spot H how would you how would you describe 
that process or how you read each other when you improvise? Um, unfortunately, it's something that can't be easily explained. But as I said, and a part of the Arabic music, especially for this Arabic instrument like oud, like nai, and even this kind of percussion, this instrument has been created as an improvising instrument. And whenever they are performing in a bigger orchestra, in a band, there is always room for them to improvise. But you can tell whenever there is like, it's kind of, as you say, there's a kind of dialogue. They, an instrument will play, the other will apply to it. And without like, it's like there's two, like me and you now having this kind of like a, like a two ways of conversation. People who attend who attends our 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 concert and there is like kind of like piece for improvising, they will all be like super happy, super like really interested about oh what's going on with the stage. You can tell that this instrument is playing now, the other is gonna be replying, and it's a way of communication, it's a way of like interacting between both of them. So yes, I would really encourage people to come to our next show and see how these Arabic instruments are improvising because it's going to be something unique that you have never, ever experienced before. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 I couldn't agree more. And I think it invites a lovely openness, a curiosity because of all the lovely things that are going on. It makes you want to know more or hear more or become part of it. It's, it's incredibly unifying, both for you as musicians as an orchestra, but also for the audience. I think it unifies literally everybody. Is that how it feels when you perform? Yeah, it does. It does. And I can tell, I can remember something like uh, funny happened in our last uh, uh, show in Brighton. So I was sitting with a guy who was responsible for the lightning for the event. So I told him just after the break, we have like a specific piece that we'll be playing. It's going to be like just for improvising. So we have five instruments we'll be improvising. So we have the oud, we have the nai, we have the kanun as well, and we have the percussion and we have the keyboard improvising. So I said, maybe in that piece, you can get the light a little bit down and just like have a spot on every single player. And because there'll be like, improvising in order so it would be really nice to have a spot on each player improvising so i said i can't tell you which one will be improvising so you can fade the light in and out on this specific player and i said do you need a like a piece of paper to write down which will go first and second because they would be like switching he said no i can't tell i can't feel it i can't see it before it's happening so so this is like a really simple example how audiences can really have the feeling just because they are seeing what's happening on the stage. So they can like kind of predict what's happening before it's really happening because this kind of improvising is just engaged the audience by time with the music that's happening on stage. And this will definitely reflect positively on the performance uh, performer himself. Tarek, it's uh, just such a fascinating description. I can't thank you enough for your time today. And I also can't thank you enough for pouring so much beautiful music back into the world and with that very important purpose of spreading the message of peace. Uh, you all do it joyously, beautifully, courageously, generously. I just hope everybody 
can come and encounter the orchestra as soon as they can. Thank you so much for your time today, Tarek. Thank you so much for having me here today. I was really happy to share my feelings and also to share everything on behalf of the Orchestra of Syrian Musicians that they would say at least what I have already said and maybe more. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Tarek. Thank you, Paula. <laughs>